0: Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast, weekly insights into
1: everything video, proudly presented by worldpodcast.com. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Pro Video Podcast. Every week, we bring you insights into film, television, online video, and so much more. This week, we're going to be talking about showreels with David Ariad. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. Thanks for having me, dude. Dave, uh, you've been on the show before, David, and this is your second time on Pro Video Podcast? Totally awesome to have you back on, and there's going to be a lot to talk about because you recently re- released your show reel.
0: Yep, yep, my I guess this is like the fourth or fifth one. I, I think I skipped a year at one point, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, I find it fun to cut show reels, whether or not like I don't know how much like traffic it actually brings me and how much, you know uh, it's important for my career overall, but it's like something that I try to keep up every year, you know.
1: I think that's something that's interesting to everybody who has to make a show reel. Uh, A lot of the time, you're not sure who's viewing it, and then sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like, who is the actual audience? Is this potential clients, or is this your peers that you're making
0: your reel for? Right. Yeah. At some point, you just it's like you don't care that much. It's like just you know a fun way to kind of uh, collect yourself at the at the end of the year, or you know like review the work you've done, see your own progress, and um, yeah, it's a just a good exercise as well you know like a creative project of its own though it can be hard because you know you have to set aside the time for it you know and it can take several days and then like we were just discussing like if you're going to do an intro for it then that becomes like its own passion project that's going to totally derail you you know for potentially weeks on end you know if you're if you're overly ambitious so it's it's you know it can be hard to set aside the time Uh, but I I just you know I found a time when I was between projects I just finished up this really intense two month like ice cave music video and i was pretty burned out so i was like editing is is, like something that i can come back to and just relax with because i used to do so much editing um it used to be like probably half of my work um so and then at some point i i made the decision to switch fully into just doing 3d work so sometimes i kind of miss it you know
1: a good opportunity to um use those skills and those editing chops for yourself Totally. <laughs> yeah. What I really liked about your show reel, which is very different to a lot out there in, in 3d emotion. Um, it's, it, it felt like a music video in itself and it felt like a cool. story through your work, not uh, a montage. There's like a, a trip through your yeah. work.
0: That's awesome. I mean, yeah. And I feel lucky that I have enough work at this point that I could do something like that. Uh, this was definitely the reel that I tried hardest on, you know, out of all of them. Um, and I even went as far as, like, Chelsea was really actually, she's my, that's my fiance, but she was like really inspirational and helpful uh, in this because she like encouraged me to do a bunch of weird stuff. Like she, so this guy that I worked with, Ivan Torrent, uh, I did the kind of Space Whales project with him. And um, he's this amazing composer. Uh, and like, so first she was like, well, why don't you use one of his songs? Because you know him, and you know, that's like a good relationship already. You can, you know, you know, kind of like get him to maybe it's like a cross promotional thing or whatever. So I use I found like several songs of his that worked really, really well with these kind of long ramp ups throughout the the song, you know, creating that dynamic build that I wanted. Yeah. Um, but then once I cut the reel, I actually Chelsea encouraged me to reach out to him and ask if he would do sound design for the reel, which is kind of like taking it to the next level. You know, it's not something that you usually go out of your way to do or I don't really know how to do sound design very well other than adding in, like, your basic sound effects in Premiere. But this guy is, like, a mega talent in the audio world, you know? Yeah. Um, so he actually, like, and this was just a, this was a trade, so I kind of owe him some work now, but it's totally <laughs> worth it. <laughs> but um, he actually, like, you know, took the song and re-edited the first, like, minute or so. Uh, so that it's much quieter and and also just a a totally different, like, melody. He kind of totally remapped the first half of the song to make room for the sound design because he was like, if I add in sound design, like, this is already a really intense track. You're not going to hear it, and it's not going to have enough space for that. And he was also like, on the second half, you know, I'm not going to add any sound design because the music is so intense there. So he, like, you know, took the reel and added in all these, like, little, you know, like, night crickets and you know waves and things and it felt so cool to get that additional custom you know sound design and then like at at the end where i had like kind of crappily looped and cross dissolved uh the music to extend it out he was like let me fix this for you he like put in this one of those deep bass like you know like hits and like you know extended it out so it wasn't repetitive and like you know so he totally gave it like this amazing treatment that um took it to a much more artful level than i would expect my reel ever to get to and so now it's like, you know, shit, what am I going to do next year? You know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Uh yeah, can't top this one, you know. It's, it's going to be epic to follow it up. But I'm sure, you know, looking at what you've been doing in the past year, that you'll have a heap more work and it'll be um, a complete fresh new reel. So I'm looking forward to seeing right. that one. Yeah, totally. I'm interested, when you got the sound design and, and the music back, did that sort of mm-hmm. influence your decision on the edit? No, actually. Uh, no, I, I, I had to extend. I had to add like
0: a couple shots, like because he put in that, he made that fix and put in that deep bass hit. So yeah. I extended some of the Dead Mouse part stuff at the end, but um, I didn't change a single edit point. Um, like he, he just took what was there and totally enhanced it and added awesome. the sounds to what he saw. You know, it was already, I had already really tightly edited it to his track. And then he just, like, made it a ton better, basically. So, But it could go either way. You know, it could have influenced me in a way that was like, oh, you know, like, let's, uh, he changed this music, and this is way better, so let's, you know, swap some things. But in this case, because he had done the sound design, that kind of even further locked in um, the placement of a lot of these things, because they're sounds that are, you know, timed to what you're seeing, you know? Um, So, yeah, it was just more of, like, a, a layer of polish, on top of it versus uh something that like like a back and forth kind of thing you know
1: yeah totally it's it's so um it's such a hard one with music and sound because music and sound design is so important to visual work and how it carries it but it's also Mm -hmm. what you pick can say a lot about your personal style and your Mm -hmm. and your own aesthetic and so it's Yeah, it's really it's a really
0: hard thing. You can kind of like screw yourself over by cutting like you might have killer work, and if you cut a bad reel, like you might not be a good editor and you might just like select, you know, some things that don't work with the music or that just you know maybe aren't your best work. Like maybe an editor would see something totally different. So if you're if you don't like editing, if you don't, you know, feel like you're a good editor at all and you have no interest in it, it might be worth it to hire an editor. Uh, yeah. to edit your reel, you know, if you're it if that's your calling card. Um I mean it's not your only calling card. Like there're plenty of ways like Instagram and all these other you know means of <clears throat> gaining a following or you know gaining clients, word of mouth. There's there's a million things out there. Um but it's definitely a big piece of self-promotion.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's it's um the creative industries you know <clears throat> it doesn't have to be even that you pay. So maybe it might be that you help them out with like a an intro graphic for their own reel or something. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting and I'll I'll let everyone know when I do post my work. But for me, I'm going to be doing a motion 3D reel and then an edit grade reel because there are Mm -hmm. two distinct sides to what I do where your your work is very much you've been focusing on 3D and you've got some really epic pieces. And what I love about your reel is that you focus on... Different projects, and you and you let and you show the best of them in those sections. Mm-hmm. But you're not chopping and changing through the whole reel back to a piece again,
0: right? So that's where you're saying it's it's less like a montage and more like a story. Yeah, um, and that's exactly what I was trying to do. Was um, I started by first I just took everything from the past year, or everything that I thought would work well. Um, And, you know, just made one really long string out of, like, I don't know, 30 minutes or however long. Um, And then I cut my selects from that. So I just kind of pulled things that, you know, anything that I would remotely use, I just cut. (coughs) Excuse me. I cut a selects reel of all of that. And then from there, I moved on to another phase where... I do this thing um, in premiere where if it's something that it's almost like a a rating system, like one, two, and three stars, where if it's, if it's okay and I think it could be in the reel as like filler, I leave it on the bottom track. If it's good, then I put it to the second track and if it's really good, then I promote it to the third track. So then when I'm done cutting all of these things, I can look at a glance at this top track and mostly just pull from there. And then also, you know, and then like if I need to dig further into the barrel, I can, um, so that's like one way that I organized. But this time, Chelsea actually came up with this really interesting idea. She was like, "You have all these different colors in your in your work, um, and a lot of the time they're similar. Like you've got your space, space, space stuff. You've got your you know all this red stuff, this gold stuff. So why don't you group your all of your work by color? Yeah, and like the how it looks in terms of the grade and, and all that. So I was like, okay, cool. That's a that's an interesting idea. So I. I then, you know, took all of those selects that had been promoted from one track to the next and then rearranged them so that they were grouped by color. So it starts with all this red stuff like the Katy Perry or no, the the iHeartRadio stuff is all red and then it transitions into this kind of post-apocalyptic orange stuff um, and then some dead mouse cube orange stuff and then like slightly less or then there's like all the golds like um, in the real uh, and then let's see through here to, to look at what I did. Then, then there's like some kind of orange and cyan looking stuff, uh, like the lantern scenes that I did yep. that have a bit more of a cool cast, but also with that warm accent, that compliment, complimentary color. Um, and then I move on to uh, like kind of a faded gold, like the whales, all of the whale stuff above the clouds um, is kind of this heavenly gold. So that was its own thing. And then beyond that, I went into this sp- the blue, like cyan, uh, you know, space stuff, like the whales specifically again, and then into um, like desaturated space, because that's like my the you know music video, the space music video I did was pretty desaturated, so that was kind of its own thing. And then beyond that, um, I went straight into like rainbow land, because <laughs> like a lot of the stuff I did for Dead Mouse is like this these you know crazy rainbow colors. Um, and the Katy Perry stuff and like this weird KFC. I didn't put it in the reel, but there's like this weird KFC stuff that's like super rainbowy as well as the dead mouse cart. Um, and then there's also kind of a, a another color that I used a lot was, um, or a combination that I used a lot was cyan and purple, which is kind of a beeply, uh color palette. But that was what the Ice Caves music video looked like and some other work that I had. So yeah, grouping it, I didn't like completely stick to that in the reel, but I tried to move from w- one world into the next. And also never repeated the same, you know, project. Like once I displayed a project, I would display all those shots grouped together and then I would move on. And those like subtle or those color differences helped create transitions, you know, from like different worlds. So, you know, we weren't jumping from, you know, like, I don't know, one end of the color spectrum right into another or something like that. I don't know. It it may be kind of bullshitty, but (laughs) it was still fun, you know, and it still, I think, like helped like any kind of rules you can impose on yourself or like, you know, ways of grouping things, I think just help um, organize the editing process. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I actually did pick up on the, the color palettes um, oh, cool. throughout, like, well, especially at the start because there is such a heavy blue-green um, mm-hmm. tint to it and then um, the, the, the blue cool with the purples. And yeah, so it was interesting that I, I did actually feel that there was definite color themes throughout it as well Mm -hmm. when i was thinking um when you initially started talking about your layering and select system i was like well that's exactly how i was doing it too (laughs) putting it on (laughs) the different layers and then actually um when you're sort of making your cut um you know how I'd copy the clip and then um, put that into the edit. So all my selects are down the end of the timeline and then yep. showing um, duplicate clips. So then you could actually see what sections of your main select you were using. Oh, interesting. And what you cut cool. out. Yeah, because then there's a visual representation of what you're using from your selects. And you go, oh, right. well, actually, that little beat could be kind of good on that little music hit once you start getting into it totally when you're talking about the color selects um i was actually thinking that you were like labeling them in the timeline with the different labels because i've done that That would be smart too too. yeah yeah Yeah, where it's like you can visualize a a select group of footage together with a different label color It Mm -hmm. it makes it a little bit easier when you're sort of jumping around the timeline to visualize quickly what the content is
0: definitely yeah i just spaced it like i would create you know spaces between different sections like when i had my uh selects that were different colors i would just make sure there was a big enough gap that i could visually see the distinction between yeah. you know one world and the next but that's yeah that's definitely a good uh idea too is is the label colors kind of like in after effects where you can yeah color code everything
1: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you are space, space, space. So fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> the Where way you, the way you're putting your reel together, that makes a lot of sense though, because you are treating it in distinct sections, which is what I'm looking to do for an edit reel. Because it's really hard when you're doing an edit reel to just do a montage. You, you need yeah. to kind of show those projects, a little chunks yeah. of them.
0: Yeah, I've never had an edit reel before. Like I always got my edit jobs through word of mouth, um, but. The, the concept of an edit reel has always been weird to me because, you know, it's like you, you show a full piece to show everything in context, like how it's been edited. and But then when you're doing a reel, like reels make so much sense with like CG and, and After Effects type work. But with with an edit reel, you're like re-editing the stuff that already has an edit with new music <laughs> and no dialogue. And it's just like it's such a weird concept. Like you can like a cinematographer's reel makes perfect sense to me because then you can see the shots. And, or, the, or a grading reel, like you can do before and after wipes, you know, or just show, not even, you could just show beautiful footage that's been graded and looks really professional. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with the editing reel, that's, that's a tricky one.
1: Yeah, I do know. Um, which is why, for me, it's going to be, the second reel will be an edit grade reel to just show more of mm-hmm. the projects that I've been involved in rather yeah. than um, your skills in edit. Because I'm the same. I'm right. like, well, for me to ascertain how good an editor is, I have to see how crappy the content and all the rushes were that you got. Yeah, exactly. There's so much more
0: that goes into it. It's like, here's my edit reel. Watch, watch how many cuts I can do. Cut, 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 cut. <laughs> <laughs> I must be good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a tricky one because uh, I think what you're saying before about um, there's lots of different ways of marketing yourself was really true as well because since I've gone freelance, I haven't actually had to show anybody my reel because I think mm. being out there in the community and networking and getting to know people and people knowing what you've been involved in and the projects that you're in, they, there's that level of re- um, reliability in what you're capable of before you even go in the building.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, so many projects are also passed on from just one friend to another, like yeah. hire, hire my friends or they'll hire me and that kind of thing. Though, yeah, for studio, studio, that whole life is a different thing. You definitely have to run that circuit a bit to, you know, get in with those people and whatnot. But yeah, like you're saying, you could have a reputation with a bunch of different, a bunch of different studios without necessarily having uh, them ever seen your reel.
1: Yeah. Um, so right with uh, people passing on work, because I've had a couple of people do that for me early on as well, where they were just, um, they couldn't do the project from timings or taking holidays or whatever. And then suddenly you've got a new contact yourself. And I think that's that what's interesting about motion and 3D is that everyone's got each other's back because you want to put forward people that you respect that you know will get the mm-hmm. job done to the level that you would want to do it exactly. as well. Yeah. And and it's going to come around full circle as well in the future because I've already had to pass on work to other people too because. Um, I couldn't do it because I've already been booked for a gig. Totally. Yeah. It's a, it's a cool cool community to, to be in where you can just share and c- connect and hopefully collaborate on projects. And you've been doing a lot of collaborations recently as well.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, the Ice Caves music video, I hired <clears throat> two of my really good friends, uh, Grant Inouye and Christopher Rutledge to be the Houdini artists on the stuff that I had no clue how to do, you know, like uh, I was just way out of my depth with that stuff, like the melting and uh remeshing of some of the ice geometry, um, you know, to, to not look weird, disgusting skeletal. I mean, we don't need to get into that. I, I did a breakdown on, on my site, but yeah, that, you know, Houdini is just a world unto itself that I haven't, or, you know, just don't have the time to get into yet. And I'm not sure if I ever will. I'm in like a date, a debate with myself constantly as to, Whether I want to just gravitate towards the things that I really do naturally well and that I like, like lighting and flying cameras around are two of my favorite things. And then texturing is another one of my favorite things. And just in general, building environments is really satisfying to me. Uh, I think I just like making pretty pictures at the end of the day. And I enjoy making things move in a cool way. But sometimes the technical hurdles of doing that uh, just bog me down. Like I don't love doing sims. Even when I get away with doing, you know, I managed to, to like get to a point where I've done a really cool sim that that definitely feels good. But it's not the thing that I like do for fun. You know, yeah. it's it's more out of necessity to make the end product look really good, really good. And I think I'm good at like assembling, you know, a lot of different assets together and and just you know, one man banding it and bring together all the pieces. You know, um, but yeah, it's it's always like, even after like seven years, it's like a question of where do you want to move as an artist? And you see everybody getting to like Houdini and, and all these really complex um, applications. And you're like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I force myself to do this? You know, this is like, it's like taking the medicine. Like I need to, you know, do this hard thing in order to overcome. And then I'll be at this next level and anything will be possible. And I can make my own short films and, you know, you tell yourself all these things, but then maybe it's taking you away from the stuff that you really should be doing because you do it naturally. Well, so it's, it's tricky
1: yeah <laughs> I, I i understand what you're saying it's like that amount of time that you'd put into learning it before you could do anything versus putting that time yeah. into um continuing to develop your eye and your art direction exactly
0: and- yeah i'm much more interested in the composition and like all that stuff where i i have this like gut feeling that like learning houdini you know where you could get to like this uber master you know level if you learn it but like would you like? in the time that you took to learn it, would you be able to learn like 10 other programs, you know, and like in which scenario would your art actually be better for it? You know,
1: and the scenario of you collaborating with people who are are friends and that you're building up this strong team, that seems like a really good combination moving forward for everybody. Absolutely. absolutely, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it it is an interesting one of um, feeling the need and the pressure to to have the diversity of skill sets, but then mm-hmm. what what collaborating brings to a project is is so interesting to me. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm going into some design studios at the moment, and these are people who are at the top of their game and amazing studios, and just seeing how they work together and feed off each other, and they do have. The specialist for the three d mm-hmm. and the and the um motion is separate team and you know how how that can lift a project so much faster and so much further than a one man band can, which is right. which is hard some it's some hard. people have yeah. to be one man band right yeah yeah
0: and i'm I'm stuck that's another internal conflict is like a lot of the time I really enjoy being a one man band because I like having Full creative control and the ability to say hey everything in my reel like this is all me start to finish 100 you know that feels really good but then like you get into certain jobs that are like so far over your head that it's like extremely overwhelming and can become like i'm burned out right now like i've been doing not very much for the past several weeks <laughs> because of this last job you know yeah. and like i'm supposed to be on yet another like grueling two-month music video right now and i've been kind of slacking on it and Their client is kind of cool with that, like they're not in this massive rush, but at the same time, that means that I'm not going to get paid for X amount of time longer. And it's like this eternal, you know, struggle as a freelancer. And yeah, I don't know. But then at the same time, I don't want to go work for a company because I like having total flexibility in my life. So it's a double edged sword and the grass is definitely always greener. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, the perception of what the color of the grass is
0: right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like why can't i just make daily renders once in a while and get paid tons of money to do it like that yeah. would be living the dream
1: <laughs> uh, you know? even the perception of people who do that that's not the reality though is it so no no
0: they, they're like they're killing themselves they're like you know doing that on top of their full-time jobs or you know whatever yeah. it is and like yeah yeah crazy
1: yeah, it, it is an interesting one because I always had the perception of being a freelancer being, you know, um, I always thought it'd be really challenging, but um, how fulfilling to be your own, you know, been doing your own thing. But since doing it myself, I've been really um, lucky in that I've been working um, and that hasn't That's been awesome. an issue. Yeah. But it's, uh, what I've known is that um, there's always that level of uncertainty of like, well, okay, this week's cool. Next week's cool uh what's the week and I then shot? there's that like dark <laughs> void
0: you're like nobody's gonna call me and i'm gonna run out of money and you know it's all gonna be over yeah it's all gonna be dried up <laughs> it's
1: like you, ha- you have a torch that only illuminates two feet in exactly <laughs> so true
0: <laughs> but we are the we are the warriors going into the dark
1: you know <laughs> Yeah, what what I've really loved is just going into so many different places and seeing the culture and how the different teams work. Because I was in mm-hmm. one place for twelve years, and you know I've been in more companies in the past two months than I did in my whole career before that.
0: That's crazy. See, I'm yeah, that's so interesting to me. I'm I'm like vaguely jealous of that because my version of freelancing, I I only have ever gone into other companies when I was doing edit jobs. I would do kind of like full post-production on ads where I would do the edit, the color, the, you know, removals, the motion graphics, uh, and then delivery, like, straight through. Sometimes even the DIT. Like, for a while, I was doing DIT. Um, but now that I'm doing 3D, like, the jobs just come in through email, and they're always remote. And I've got my whole render farm type set up here, and it makes sense for me to never go into it st- So I've never once gone into a studio uh, to do the work. So it's just... There are different... M- modes of freelance where some yeah. people are like traveling all over the place to, to do jobs in studios and they've got all of their assets in you know dropbox folder that they can just open up and like you know customize everything on on whoever's machine it is you know and have all their stuff with them but um yeah it's just it's interesting
1: yeah I've, I've been developing my um my go to folder of uh, nice of scripts and plugins that I need to install yeah, just just to course. feel at home in the different applications. Totally, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I'm jealous you don't have to worry about trying to find car parks or getting into the office at the right time and Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the closest to that studio experience I think I've had is going up to Dead Mouse's house.
1: <laughs> that's, that's one heck of a studio.
0: It's a pretty cool studio, yeah. But he, yeah, I mean, we worked really hard, though. But yeah. I mean, yeah, it, was, it was super awesome for sure.
1: Yeah, it's um, not many studios have their own um, bowling alleys, but then you don't have the time to right. really use it. So. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> we did go on an ATV adventure, though, and incredibly terrifying.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> Do you think that's going to become an annual thing for him? That'd be cool to see.
0: I hope so. Um, yeah, I don't see why he wouldn't, but he does what he wants, you know. Yeah. So.
1: <laughs> for, for those who are unfamiliar, um, David's... David's been on um, the Brograph uh, podcast quite a number of times, and um, he's also been involved with the Dead Mouse um, um, visuals for concerts. So this is all in the reel, and we'll have links to the reel and David's site. So check it all there. But um, Dead Mouse is very much into creating 3D using um, Octane himself, isn't he?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it was such a cool collaboration because there's no other artist at his level on the planet that is also happens to be an octane nerd like how what are the chances of that you know so like we get to go to his you know sweet house with his crazy rig and like octagon setup of desks and computers and then he's got his like whole giant render farm in the back and it's like you know every nerd's dream basically you know and and he the other really great thing is that he gave very little direction so it was just kind of like go make stuff and we just made stuff for like you know practically a week you know and, and uh that's like my favorite is just riffing on stuff and the fact that my other two brograph buddies were there like that was amazing too because I'm, ne- I'm never in scenarios like I have to reach out to people on Skype and a lot of the time I just don't because I feel weird like bugging people and asking questions and usually I just like hunt down a bunch of tutorials and see if I can figure it out myself. But having them there, I could just pull them over and be like, Dave, how, how do I make this road better, you know, and stuff like that. So, yeah. like, they helped me out a ton, like, with a bunch of techniques that I would have never thought of, you know. And it's funny how how filled our brains are full of tons of techniques and tips, but the overlap is often pretty minimal because, like, C4D and, and all this motion graphics stuff in general is so dang deep, you know, that, like, you could have, like, yeah, we all know the basic shortcuts and some of the basics, but, like we can all be our own specialists inside the same program. And that's, what's so like both intimidating and cool about working as a 3d artist, because it's so vast, the amount of stuff that you could learn, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, 3d is just one area of what I do, but I do love, um, talking to other 3d specialists such as yourself or rich, Nosworthy, Um, and I think, what I've done, I just
0: like talk about. I just talk as if everybody is a 3D artist all the time. <laughs> I've forgotten that 2D even exists, even though I used to do it all the time and have a wealth of After Effects knowledge as well. But I'm, I guess, I'm just deleting that from my brain now.
1: <laughs> well, you, you're forgiven because you're on the Brograph podcast so much, which is I know, so yeah, focused on like- 3D. So <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> can't see out of that box anymore
1: <laughs> but it is part of it like every 3d artist will have an approach to solving a situation based on their experience and the, the fact that cinema 4d is an application will is so robust that it can work in so many ways and get mm-hmm. a result so it's not like there is always one correct approach to the situation
0: right I mean, that's so true of almost any, like even Photoshop and After Effects, mm, like yeah. there's Swiss army knives and it's just like the, the creativity and the uh, different kinds of art is unlimited just because people, I mean, like so much of it are also soft skills, like just composition and design and all this stuff. Like it's just a canvas, a different kind of canvas, but so it's, it's pretty infinite what can be achieved in any of these programs. Yeah.
1: You know? Yeah, definitely. um And like, you know, part of what I'm doing. Just recently, I was at a studio and they were doing some pretty cool work. So um, I got to execute a project that they had set a stylistic design, but I was doing a new version for them. But they had um, an illustrator, um, animator based out of um, Brazil who was doing um, the drawings for it. And so awesome. getting those back and then I'm compositing them and um, making mm-hmm. the actual um, spot but there was a little bit that needed to be changed um just some timing and mm-hmm. what was interesting is you know you working in new zealand everybody else in the world is literally usually half a day behind or a us at least. Yeah, I'm. I'm in yesterday. <laughs> for <you. laughs> yeah. So for me to kind of like wait to get the new asset back, I was like, well, I could just have a little play in 3D, even though it was a 2D, and just do a little, you know, bit of uh, EJ sketch and tune styles, mm-hmm. and um, nice. just just pull out the separate little element, drop it back into comp, and go, yeah, the timing's working because the base was already, you know, and what felt like it should be a 2D solution, knowing Nath. 3d it'll look 2d instantly yeah 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 it was it was really cool to kind of know that i could do that without even having to think about it because knowing that i'd seen that workflow from ej and other people and how quick it was going to would be to do that rather than trying to hand draw it
0: absolutely i love that 3d 2d thing um and i've dabbled in that uh arena quite a lot as well but yeah, what you just said about like um, knowing that something's possible—I feel like that's so so important. Like as an artist, to like keep on top of just what's out there, uh, you know. And a lot of the time, I'll watch tutorials, and I don't necessarily like absorb the content like I would if I followed along. But just keeping that backlog going of like this is possible, this is like you know, if I ever needed to do this this kind of thing, this is where I'd go to. So just yeah. keeping that log so that when uh, a client comes to you with something you're like oh i can think of like three or four tutorials that get at something like this so let's go and watch those you know yeah. and start from that you know knowledge base and then move on from there
1: yeah. yeah i'm I'm trying to go one step different and i'm trying to like find people whose work i really like and then become friends with them by having them on the podcast and then i can nice. ask them questions <laughs> yeah that's the perfect way you're building your army
0: that's the best way to do it man that's why i accept everybody's friend Request on Facebook. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the podcast is a way for me to have people like yourself on where I really do respect the work that you're doing and get to just Thanks, chat man. about it. So thank you so much for being on this show again, man, and talking about your latest reel. It's awesome. Of course. First of course, dude. Sweet. Yeah. Should we go to the pro video picks? Absolutely. And now it's time for the pro video picks. Okay, so this is an opportunity for everybody to be inspired with your inspirational pro video picks.
0: So I've got one. Um, so this is really inspirational to me for, for camera movement specifically. It's actually a pretty old um, animation, but let me pull this up real quick. I need, I need to dig this up. Uh, called Ruin. Have you heard of this? Ruin. Mm. It's, by, it's by West Ball. And this is the guy that um he uh directed all the three ma- Maze Runner movies but this this short I had seen this people, yeah 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 so this short that he made with people like 6 years ago now um got him in the in the door for directing the first Maze Runner movie but I think this has just some of the coolest most dynamic camera moves like this is like you know I want to like pick this video apart and study it for you know days For just the crazy like moves that they've got going on and cinematic language you know yeah Um, and it's like to me if something is if it's like a small team project or like a solo video that someone's made that's like extremely cinematic that's more inspirational to me than if it's a big team you know like Guardians of the Galaxy stuff like that is incredible and inspirational but also overwhelming like coming out of the theater I'm just like this is at such a high level that like, I can't even begin to approach this ever in my work. So it's just like, I just kind of like block it out, you know, (laughs) it's not even something to like, you know, I mean, I probably could break it down and like copy some camera moves and stuff like that's not a bad thing, but for whatever reason I like, I definitely gravitate towards these uh, smaller projects. Now, another one I can think of off the top of my head for really amazing camera moves and and, uh, design this is uh, called the Leviathan by Rory Robinson. Have you heard of this? No, I don't think I've heard of this one. Okay, so this guy has done a bunch of amazing full CG shorts. This one, I think he like pulled strings with like some major big production companies, like used some huge render farms for V-Ray and like got some mega artists to design the creature. But on the whole, he like did it himself over the course of a year, and it's just like some of the like. Most um, it looks like so photoreal. Uh, like there are these like super wide fisheye lenses and like grunge and grit everywhere. And like it's just like I don't know, it's hard to believe that one person did this. And there's some like if uh, if the audience is, is listening or watching along with um, at around I think 50, wait, let me zoom in here. So it's around 103. There's this shot that starts it comes into this docking bay and then the ship drops and the camera follows it and I just love the motivated camera move here and then the follow up move is this like long falling shot that then um, you know starts really wide and eventually uh, gets in towards this character and pivots around his head to reveal the full environment and all of these um, clouds coming at you on this gas giant planet it's like super epic. Um, so yeah, here, I'll send you a link to this You can out can too.
1: Awesome. Awesome. That'd be great. That'll help out Matt who does the show notes for us as well. So thanks Matt Lloyd for, uh, putting all those together f- every episode. Really appreciate it, man. Um, okay. So David, the pro yeah. video pick literally can be anything you want, man. What, what would you, uh, what would you put for that?
0: <laughs> like, uh, in terms of, helpful, um, resources or just whatever's in my head right now.
1: Yep. Can be anything.
0: The first thing that popped into my head is I've been playing with uh, world creator, which I don't know if you've heard of that app, but, um, it's like world machine. And at first I didn't try it out because it seemed like world machine light or something like that. Or like, it wasn't maybe like you couldn't get as good results as you could from world machine, but, um, I've been trying it out and it's like, so easy to use. It's like uh, extremely intuitive, and it runs fully on the GPU. Um, so, like maps that are eight K that usually take like I don't know an hour to export from World Machine, do it in like I don't know five or ten seconds. So it's really impressive. You just use all these filters, and it feels much more like playing with a terrain than like um, World Machine's not the most difficult, but it's like pretty cerebral. Like you have to know kind of what you're doing. And ultimately, I think you can still get a better result in World Machine, but the number of different instances of types of terrains that you could create in World Creator makes it, I think, just more something I'm actually going to use on a daily basis. You know, cool. um, so that that's really cool. And I keep like I can't help myself. Uh, I can't just do one thing. I have to say two things. Go for it, man. What's, <laughs> so what's my, your other, my other? My my second pick is Real Flow for C4D. Uh, I've I've developed a new found love for that uh, plug-in after this music video because it's, again, it's like another piece of GPU-based software where um, doing fluid sims and X-Particles is like banging your head against a wall. It takes forever. Whereas with RealFlow, it's so fast because of the GPU simming that I have accidentally set it too high and created a sim that almost broke Octane. It was like 350 gigs it only took an hour to sim but it was 350 gigs and 20 million polys per frame and i included it it's in it's in the ice cave music video it's that it's that whirlpool vortex type thing yep um and like that's why it looks good is cuz it's so high resolution so you know it doesn't look like your average blobby whatever fluid sim it looks complex and like i didn't do anything to make it that cool it's just that real flow is able to calculate a lot faster you know so you can crank up the resolution and go to town with it No, it's it's literally just like two emitters and an attractor like you know it's colliding on the ground and then there's a vortex demon in the middle that's causing the stuff to swirl around like it's stupid easy to set up but the you know benefits that you can reap from it are pretty huge so software like that i'm really into you know i'm into the user-friendly plus powerful stuff you know
1: awesome awesome great pick uh i remember using real flow uh this is gonna age me Standalone? Um, oh, yeah, like when it just released. Um, talking oh, wow. about like, it um, would have been about 14 15, fourteen years ago, I reckon. Wow, <laughs> was, that's awesome. It was hard. <laughs> it was yeah, like, it's, it's hard, yeah. It was, yeah, it was it was uh, trying to get it back into Maya where there was no FBX workflows back then or anything. Oh, man. It was like, oh, crazy. Th- that was pain. <laughs> we were trying yeah. to make a, a volcano simulation I think I was so traumatized cool. by it, I've stayed away from Sims <laughs> just for stayed a long away time. from it ever since. That's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, yeah, I can't
0: even live without like Alembic anymore. Much less FDX. <laughs> I Can't even imagine that's uh, like. But um, yeah, that's the really nice thing about Real Flow for C4D is it's actually just as easy, if not easier, than XParticles. Like whereas standalone is still kind of hard to get your head around, hmm. uh, the one they made for C4D is like very integrated with that mindset and workflow. So just like. I haven't barely watched any tutorials on it, and yet it's really, really easy to figure out.
1: Yeah, but you are uh, Octane Jesus, so you're at a That doesn't mean I'm, I'm automatically level. good
0: at... Oh my God, no, that does not mean that I'm automatically good at understanding software. Like, there's so much software, I'm like, what the hell? And I just, like, run screaming from the hills, you know? like. And even after watching a bunch of tutorials, I'm like, I still don't know. I've banged my head against the wall pretty hard with Nuke and pretty hard with Houdini, like, eventually.
1: all good all good okay i'm following that could be anything could be a sports game tv show podcast whatever i just uh like a million things popping in
0: my head but um okay so let me think so tv show i just watched the marvelous miss Maisel, uh which is an amazon original and that was really really entertaining super a uh, compelling show. I think it's up for all the Glo- Golden Globes, or maybe just one, like stuff. But um, yeah, that show is really fun. It's about this uh, housewife in the '50s who, um, you know, her husband leaves her, and she uh, decides to become a stand-up comic,
1: <laughs>
0: nice. stand-up comedian. You know, um, and yeah, it's it's just really, really entertaining, and um, yeah, definitely recommend that. And then as far as who I'm following uh, on Instagram, um, you know, the standard, like, you know, you got your StuZor, you got your um, Beeple, your Hood Ass, your uh, Joseph Pichara, um and let me think, Sakani Solomon, though he's not as much on Instagram, but I love his stuff. Um, and then um, my, t- my other two favorites, let's see. Um, well, whatever, it's all good.
1: Sweet. <laughs> nice nice i have a All lot right. more
0: to name but it's okay
1: oh <laughs> good okay so um finally where do you find inspiration and influence that could be anything
0: um i think mostly vimeo and instagram are my go-to places um for inspiration um i mean it's everywhere you know it's like you can't look at i mean the octane facebook group too is like always bombarding me with like holy crap like that's awesome You know? yeah um yeah. So I'd say those things. But then also just like for reference for if I'm doing a render, um, also just the real world or films are great. So I've been using um, pure ref more, which is a plugin or no a program that is just really good at handling stills and can kind of sit always in the background. Like if it's your desktop background. Um, for like checking back into a color palette or like look that you're designing. So I've been making, uh, I've been prepping for this Mars tutorial and I've started recording it. But in the background, I've got stills of the Martian, which is, I mean, it can be frustrating though because it's almost unattainable, like how good some of this stuff looks, you know, but. um, And then I've got like actual stills of Mars for reals. So yeah, it it helps you get closer to that goalpost like not necessarily all the way there, but gives you like a a ground truth or something that you're aiming for, you
1: know? Nice. Solid, man. Really good. Cool. Okay, so uh, where can everyone follow you online? Where's the best place for them to go? Uh,
0: Instagram. I think I'm most active on Instagram and Facebook. Though Facebook, I mostly just chat people, you know, one-on-one. But yeah, my Instagram is just at David Arieff, A-R-I-E-W. And then you can find all my stuff on my website, which is ariavisuals.com that has two Vs, which forces you to say the name right because it's actually spelled with a W. So it's A-R-I-E-V-V-I-S-U-A-L-S.com. And there there I've got my tutorials. I've got a whole bunch of tutorials that are Octane related. I've got all my work up there, the new reel, my resources page, which is probably the biggest list of Octane tutorials on the planet (laughs) Uh, because I obsessively collect how I learn. And so I wanted to share that with everybody. And also just as like also a reference for me that I always come back to. I'm like, where is that one thing? You know, And I like, go and find it again on my own page. So um, yeah, that's I think the most looked at thing on my website. And, and it's a helpful resource for everybody. And um,
1: yeah, that's that. Awesome. And we'll have links to that in the show notes, which you can find if you're listening on a podcast app, swipe left or right depending on where the notes will be, but we'll have links as well on a uh, pro for this episode. And also you can follow us on Twitter at pro Video podcast or on Facebook. Same again, or you can come into the Slack group and we'll have links to all of those as well. And I'm Blair Walker on Twitter. So uh, search for me there. And thank you so much, David, for being on the show, man. It's been awesome.
0: Thanks for having me on, man. I'm always down. Um, remember how we were going to do that like uh list of our favorite things ever show. We still got to do that sometime. I
1: yeah. know uh, we do. It's almost like a, a find a holiday season to do a special yeah. show for it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sounds fun. I mean, this one was totally off the cuff, just like rambling, but uh, that one, you know, like, I'll come in all super prepared and have like an epic list of, you know, references and stuff.
1: <laughs> oh, I did forget one question, which should be, who should be on the show? Who would you like to see on this show?
0: Um, Joseph Bashara. um, definitely. Uh, Sakani Solomon. Um, Raul Marks. If you can get him,
1: <laughs> I t- I tried, man. I tried. Yeah, yeah. He's hard.
0: <laughs> um, let me think. um Nick Scarcella was here on. No, not yet. Um, and then um, my f- my buddy. Um, let's see. So Ryan Talbot is one of my friends. He's like excellent at uh, substance. And like, yeah, he and I meet up at uh, the Orange County thing. He's an awesome artist. uh, And he's also releasing some really, really good tutorials on Substance Painter to Octane Workflow that are super interesting to me. Um, And then uh, Alex Ness, I don't know if you know of him, but he's another really excellent uh, Octane and C4D artist that's, uh, you know, going to take the world by storm. And then, do you know, there's this guy, Justin Leduc. He has recently gotten more followers than Beeple uh, just like really fast. Um, he's amazing. He he He's like a photographer that turned Octane and C4D pretty recently to expand his skill set. And he did this thing. You've probably seen it. It's like this Grim Reaper holding the San Francisco Bridge. Yeah, it's got like 15 million views or something. So he's like got some really cool ideas. And it's funny. I talked to him the other day on Instagram and he was just like, he was like, no, dude, everybody knows way more about C4D than I do. Like, you guys are all so talented, but I just have some good ideas. I, like, think about the concepts and have some good ideas about how to put these things together. And I just download a bunch of assets and string together a scene, you know. And he's using his eye, like, his photographic eye, and that's so important, you know. So, yeah. you know, it, like, it helps so much to, to just go out and shoot or, like, you know study film and stuff like that um, to train your eye. So it's pretty fascinating to see someone, like, jump that... You know, jump into something and get so good at it quickly. You know,
1: yeah. Also, you should have
0: totally. you should have raid zero on too if you haven't already.
1: Uh, yep. Phil's been on. Phil's he, been on. I probably I probably heard the show. So yeah. <laughs> Phil's, <laughs> yeah, Phil's been around town. He's been on. A okay. Few. Good, good. Good. Awesome. <laughs> awesome, man. Great list. Yeah, and we'll we'll organize that um show. And um, yeah. I sh- I should probably do different different versions i reckon do a 3d episode and have a few people so it's all 3d stuff and then do one which is about um editing and or color grading because uh yeah it's oh there's so much good stuff out there so thanks for pulling up pulling me up on that one i know i did promise that we're going to do that episode so awesome awesome dude (laughs) okay everybody um thank you again david for being on the show and everybody out there have a great week and we'll catch you next time okay bye bye Join the conversation on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter at Pro Video Podcast. Please subscribe, rate and leave a review on iTunes.